This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello, it's Lola here coming to you live from Torquay. I am like a kid in a candy shop for today's guest. I was, I'm going to heads up it here, give you a little warning. I was so nervous because, you know, when you interview a hero, you're kind of like, oh, oh. <laughs> so Ian Sinclair is an award-winning theatre director. He's a sought-after acting teacher. He's a dramaturg and story consultant. He's head of acting at 16th Street, where I study, director at Melbourne Theatre Company, Sydney Theatre Company, Queensland Theatre Company. Um, He's studied, worked all over the world. This guy is the best of the best of directors in Australia, and I'm sure he's very, very humble, so he won't say that, but he absolutely is. He has assistant directed for the wonderful Kate Blanchett. She, he will change the whole way that you think about Harry Potter and Star Wars after you listen to this when he talks about story theory. He's passionate about human behaviour, the way that the brain, the human brain is wired and works. So even if you're just into human behaviour, you will get something out of this podcast. Now, you will hear us talk about a play called Burn This. Because of COVID-19, um, the release date will have been pushed back a little bit. So just a heads up when you're listening to that. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, Ian Sinclair, for jumping on the podcast. Total honour. I'm so excited for this next guest. This is Ian Sinclair, who's, you've done so much stuff, so I'll give you like a nice little intro, but you're Uh also my teacher at the moment. At the moment, yeah. It's really (laughs) exciting. So I've made some notes on you. Please correct me if I've... There's a lot on you, by the oh, way. Oh, really? Is You've there? been a lot. I went down the rabbit hole. Because I'm I'm analog now, so I don't have any real idea of it anymore. Because I don't, apart from getting on YouTube and listening to podcasts and that sort of thing, I don't engage in the really? internet. Yeah, I like that though mm. about you. But <laughs> so, from what I've read, award-winning theatre director, sought-after acting teacher, dramaturg and story consultant, head of acting here at Sixteenth Street. Director, Melbourne Theatre Company, Sydney Theatre Company, Queensland yeah, Theatre Company. Yeah, some stuff there. Yeah. And there's more, like I've seen Canberra, like I've seen all mm, pinch of mm. um, resident dramaturg at Playwright Australia. And then you've done all these incredible studies. So the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, King's College. And is this specialising in text and performance? Yeah, the master's that they had at the time was called Text and Performance Studies. And so you'd spend um, half of the time at King's College London doing the theory mm-hmm. and then um, the other half over at RADA doing the practice. So you'd sort of get up in the morning and go over to King's College, on, which is just near Waterloo Bridge on the Thames. And then, um, you know, uh, and it was such a... It was such a shake-up because I think, you know, over there the education system is a bit different. You know, I did my um, BA in Canberra and, you know, like in those days, I don't know what it's like now, but if you hadn't done the reading, you'd still turn up for the tute, yeah. you know, and you just kind of act a bit shy and yeah. you get away with it. Um, but over there, you know, halfway through the seminar, you know, the pro- professor would say, and now Mr. Sinclair will explain the use of the eclaimer, <laughs> you know, and you'd go, oh, wow. oh um, 
Oh, so the stakes were high. Yeah, so I really had to pull my socks up. I also I Googled there. pictures of both places and it looks super fancy compared to what we've got here. Like it looks, it feels British. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, the, the, they use they use the site at King's College London like quite often for, um, you know, they in action movies and that sort of thing where they turn up at the sort of imposing MI5 looking so kind of spot, you know, that, that they quite often use that. So they had film crews there quite a bit. I yeah. love that. <laughs> so did I give you a good, is this a good little taste of who you are? Sure. I, I yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You're obviously really passionate and this is what I've learned through being lucky enough to train with you, but you're very passionate about human behaviour, mm. which I want to dive yeah. into. But one thing that I don't think I told you when I auditioned for this school, uh-huh. which the audition was, I went purely just because I was like half an hour in a room with Ian, sign me up. <laughs> and I got, I was so nervous that I got a, like I did a one-on-one private lesson with an acting teacher to prepare me for the audition. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And he said, who are you auditioning with? And I was like, I'm auditioning with Ian. And he goes, oh, he's the actor's director. You're in safe hands. Oh, that's Have you heard nice that thing. before about yourself? Um, well, I... It's, it's, I guess it's a goal of mine to be an actor's director. I mean, that's or, or actor's director and a playwright's director, I guess, you know, because yeah. um, I see the whole job as, um, as in some ways the director's job is to, it's like being the best man at a wedding where you've <laughs> got to get the playwright or the screenwriter in the same room with the actor yeah. and for them, you know, even though they might have cold feet at the time to, you know, talk them both into why it's such a great idea that they should be together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you're like the peacemaker almost. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> so quickly just about the acting stuff before we dump into dive into human behaviour. Mm. You've, like, worked with some pretty incredible people and I've heard you in class kind of like refer to Max Stefan Clark yeah. and the way in which you teach us and that's kind of the is that the actions kind of theory that's that we right do? yeah yeah so the um, actioning is a is a I guess the best way to describe it is that it's a it's a it's a reduction or a boil down version of all of the principles that Stanislavski sort of introduced yeah. that created the revolution in acting. But Max David Clark spent a lot of time um, honing those that, that um, th- those skills, and uh, it was really given, a, uh, I guess, its its sharpest edge in the late eighties, early nineties, when verbatim theatre came about, where um, suddenly trained actors you know were being replaced by people off the street in shows you know and so so max had to work out a way to um to train an actor to be able to be working on a professional level or at least using the principles that professional level actors use um as quickly as possible and so the actioning process really got it you know had its sort of foundation through that had its sort of proving crucible moment yeah. in in that through that art form you know um, I, I love and you're and this is a thing that um you said to me and I didn't have this in my notes to talk to you about but when you come from acting from that more actions behavioral based mm. kind of like mindset or just coming from from that angle versus like you see a lot of um people that kind of fi- try and find the pain in a scene yeah, or that yeah. kind of trauma mm. kind of. And I remember in my audition you were like, we're not about that. You know, I'm not about that at all. Yeah, I mean, it's I, it's quite that all of that pausing and stuttering yeah. for me is trying to work out actually what, what a, um, because I think emotions are terrifically important. Of course yeah. they are. But the trouble is that they're, they're not very um, eloquent and they're not very um, manageable, yeah. you know. If, if you've ever tried, had somebody tell you to cheer up, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. And like in actual fact there's 
quite often uh, that emotions are anarchic and rebellious and and they belong to a much more ancient part of your consciousness mm-hmm. um, and and your motivational structure and they're absolutely part of it all but um, I find that uh, actioning is a really wonderful way to get in to to sort of get into a get in on the ground level but be able to um, manage and control what you're doing you know and and so max would often say that emotions are like teenagers you can't tell them what to do oh, yeah. you know and yeah. so the the phrase the, the, the way he described it quite often is that you know it's yes the thing about you know there's nothing worse than being a parent of a teenager that you're trying to control you know but if but you can make the environment really good for the teenager totally. so you can you know you can let them know that you value them and that you pay attention to them and and that they that their experience is important you can also give them a room out the back that is entirely theirs you can mm. let them i don't know smoke bongs and have sex <laughs> and do all the things that the teenagers yeah. want to do yeah, yeah. and so um when they come it's wonderful but it's not a disaster if they don't you know yes. um and 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 so because you don't want to be the kind of parent <laughs> you know <laughs> on a saturday night all tangled up and anxious that your 17 year old is is out doing what a 17 year old totally. does yeah um and and so if, and it, there's that and you know the, the, quite often they say that trying to control emotions is a little bit like herding cats as well so i'm not saying that herding they're not cats. in yeah you know that, <laughs> that yeah. it's not in the, 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 that it's not welcome it's just that you can get yourself tangled up fast and trapped mm. in paradoxes quickly as an actor if you try to um, if you try to just dive in grab hold of these astonishingly powerful and unwieldy beasts mm. you know and and emotions are just one you know one evolutionary step away from like brainstem responses totally. and anybody and, and and once you try to control brainstem responses I mean have you ever tried to not eat or have you ever tried to not have sex yeah. with somebody who you, yeah. who you know when those impulses come or to not sleep yeah. um and so you're you're courting disaster i think if, if if you if you you know ride that those bucking broncos too yeah. hard because the will doesn't have the same amount of stamina um the conscious will the aesthetic mm. consciousness yeah. it's, it's a wonderful skill that we have and a, a very important evolutionary advantage that we have but i think it's um it's, yeah, it's it's courting disaster to think that you can just hop in hop inside the ancient mechanisms which we've evolved to have mm. over like not just uh, the hundred eighty thousand years that humans have been on Earth, but we evolved in a direct line from all the other creatures yeah. too. And those forces yeah. are so powerful, um, and so it's it's working out a way that we can allow the 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 beast in the room as well as the smart creature, you know, as yeah. well as the as well as the prefrontal cortex you know? I love the, and the thing that um uh, i've when i watch i've been auditing you lately you're uh-huh. you're and i've noticed this way of like tapping into emotion and feeling from a, a more from from the action kind of process yeah. mm-hmm. it feels more sustainable like it doesn't feel like it comes at a cost to your oh i've got to unpack that for the next two hours if i've had to find this emotion and I, there was a moment where you were directing an actor and he went for he had he was um playing a wonderful character that went from being like quite irate and and worked up and then quite emotional yes and your cue was quicken your breath oh yeah mm-hmm. and it's like you made this environment much easier for him to tap into something without it coming at to a cost at his like as an emotional expense to him right does that make sense yeah um yeah I, I mean I, I feel emotions are like dreams in a way you're not 
totally responsible for yeah. them you know especially not your your your, your sort of moral consciousness you mm-hmm. know and if and if you if you tap into that it's it like gets you know i mean if you just examine your own dreams it, there's darkness in there yeah. as oh, well yeah. as lightness and all yeah. of the other things yeah and so i find if if i can find ways to 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 bypass the aesthetic consciousness just for a bit um and and breath is the way to do it you know um and and any any awareness practice, of course, focuses on breath. Yeah, and um, and it's no accident, I think, that any acting process focuses on breath as yeah. well. You know, that as a director, you know, one of the things you most commonly <laughs> yell out across a, a bare theatre to an actor is breathe. Yeah, you know, and but. It, and of course, quite often the actor will go, I am, I'm standing yeah. here, I, you know, what are you talking about? Of course I'm breathing, I'm alive. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, there, but there's a code built up in all of that, you know, about um, related to breath, which is what I think directors are actually saying is be. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and present. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And present in, in both senses of the word, you know, in, in the time sense of it, where if, when, as soon, and this is Buddhism for you, you know, mm. the moment you, you put your consciousness on breath, you go into the present moment. You're not in the past or the future. Mm. And so there's that element of presence. Mm. Um, so yes, there's the, there's the physical element of being in the room mm-hmm. and, you know, interpersonal with everybody else. And then on top of that, there's also the, 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 the literal fact that you're in the, joining the flow of time in the way that music yeah, joins yeah. the flow of time and the way that, and what what tends to happen with actors is that they hold their breath regularly you know um and when you and if you hold your breath you either you jump either into the future or into the past totally and then the other actors on stage who are living and breathing and doing their thing uh, get you know move on ahead of you and next yeah. thing you know you've got you know, <laughs> I studied Chinese back in the day. I didn't succeed in it, but I, I had a beautiful teacher um, uh, who, who who I failed, and but who loved me so. We loved each other very much, and he, uh, <laughs> each time he each time he'd sit with me and explain to me why I was failing in his class. But he, he used the phrase once. He said, "Ian, when you're studying Chinese." Um, it's like a man rowing a boat against the stream. For every stroke you miss, it takes four strokes to oh, catch up. Wow! Um, and and to which I would reply, "You're the best teacher in the world. I'm so sorry. I'm failing you." <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same with but breath, right? That's right. That's yeah. what happens to actors on stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is that um, they, if they hold their breath, it takes them four strokes to catch up. Yeah. And then then they're already behind, etc., and all those sorts of things. And 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 just the simple act of breathing um, for an actor makes you interesting instantly, you know, yeah. and it's quite amazing. And so, and 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 the moment you breathe, the moment you attach thought to breath, suddenly what you do is is connected as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm very fascinated by the work of Dr. Dan Siegel. Yes. You know, yeah. Who, um, yeah. Um, uh, who who talks quite a lot about this? This the triune brain. Yeah. As well? yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And the way he describes it often that that sense of connecting your consciousness to breath is that when you when you do that, um, you're connecting three components of your brain together because it, it's hard for us to to connect our con- our aesthetic consciousness, our prefrontal cortex, mm. to change, say, your blood rate or uh, but yeah. tibetan buddhists can right yeah um or to change your temperature mm-hmm. or, your, or to regulate your endocrine system all those yeah. sorts of things um but you can do it with breath mm. um just by putting your consciousness yeah. on breath you're actually you're the 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 10 million year old part of your brain the brand new one um which has mutations inside it that are you know only eighty thousand year old yeah. so that's the that's the the most complex thing in the known universe the human brain um 
is speaking to um, the limbic system, yeah. you know, the emotional state brain, and then to the brain stem, which is, I guess, the you know that's the, the survival state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and kill, be killed. That's yeah, of that yeah. game we play. That's right, the predator-prey exercise that we do, which which is all about tapping into those mechanisms. So there's there's three components. There, you have three. Because we evolved um, that way, it's not like we threw away the reptile brain and we threw away the mammalian brain and just and we're just this thinking, you know, Mm. um, temporal lobe. (laughs) We're all of those things, and 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 so acting—that's the way I like to approach acting and story theory and the whole thing—is is to integrate all of those processes together so they communicate with one another. Yes, and you just said. Um, my next favorite bit, story theory. Oh, right, yeah. So we, I'm so lucky I've heard it a couple of times with you. So I was like, am I going to ask ask him to do it? But when you tell that story that I'm like, I'm listening to Harry Potter. You know, I was <laughs> I was just, I was. Ian just um, got to be excited and kind of. Well, on the, yeah, well, it's my favorite thing, I guess. Um, oh, it's on, so on the cool. weekend, I was, I was visiting um, uh, Janice Muller, um, uh, a wonderful theatre director mm. um, based in Melbourne, who now lives out at Newstead, and her daughter, um, Aggie, is a massive, massive uh, Harry Potter fan. Yeah. And, and, and I sat with her and said, you do know it's Star Wars, don't you? And she went, ab- ab- there's no way on earth it yeah. absolutely isn't. Yeah. And then I, I, I walked her through that, <laughs> the, the oh. sort of the basic principles of it. Do you want me to do a yes, quick Yes, please, because my, um, my boyfriend, I left that class and I was like, I know you love Harry Potter, but I'm about to change <laughs> your world. And he was like, yeah, right. Please, for the people listening, you're in for a treat. Go for it. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to say that this isn't my, this isn't necessarily my <laughs> insight. It, it, it's much, very strongly driven, of course, by Joseph Campbell and and, um, and other story theorists um, like Vogler, Eric Vogler. Um but um, okay, here's a little thing. I'd like you to think of to, uh, think of a film as I say it. And when I do this with uh, students, I say, please don't call it out. Um, but um, just to give you a taste of just how psychologically integrated, I guess, um, story is. Um, okay, here we go. <laughs> There's an orphan. It's a boy. Uh, that's the way society is structured at the moment. Alas, it's, we're getting better at it. Okay. I don't, I won't won't digress. There's there's a young orphan. He lives in a boring place. Um, And it's a place where he has to do lots of boring chores and people don't really see his value. And he, and, and, and and in fact, he lives with an auntie and uncle who don't really understand who he is and don't, and, and and he's got this strange inkling that maybe, maybe he belongs to some other place, a more interesting place, but, but he doesn't really know what that is. And, and it, and it, sort of lurks with him a little bit, but mostly he just feels left out and he doesn't have good sleeping arrangements either. And he just, I don't know, feels like he'd some ling, uh, lingering urge that he belongs somewhere else. Out of nowhere, um, a, a, a guy with a beard just appears um, uh, uh, who, who explains to this uh, young orphan that in actual fact, he doesn't come from this boring place at all. Um, he, he comes from a much more interesting place. It's the place where his parents come from. Um, and in actual fact, he's been taken to this boring place. He's been hidden in the boring place, in fact, because that's where um, he, he belongs. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's where he's safest. And the reason they needed to hide him is that his parents, who are very, very good um, at a certain particular skills that are very important in the special world um 
his parents were either killed or put under great threat by another force, a dark force, a dangerous force, um, a force so dangerous and dark that most people are terrified even to say the name of it. Um, the, this force usually um, is very dark and has a big, long cape, um, just like the the person that arrives very usually has a very long beard. Um you can probably hear that there's other films popping into your head just as I'm saying all of this stuff. Um, but, of course, there's a young orphan says, but that can't be me. I'm just a boring old farm boy slash kid, suburban kid slash whatever it is. Um, this kid can't possibly be right. Um, I've had a slight inkling that I, that I belong to a special place, but not really. And then at this point, the bearded person usually says something along the lines of, well, I've got to tell you something. This place that your parents come from is under great peril. Not only is the is the interesting place where your parents come from under great peril, but also this place that you're in is also under great peril. And what's more, um, because we don't have your parents anymore and the terrible thing that wears the long cape um, is, is growing in power, if we don't have somebody to fight against it, then everything might be lost. The entire universe might fall to this terrible dark force, at which point the young orphan... Um, so still says that I don't think that's me. And he gets introduced to a special skill that his parents had that also he has as well. And he thinks, how can that possibly be me? He doesn't know how to wield this instrument very well. It's usually in a stick-like shape, this particular <laughs> object. Um, and then um, sometimes it's in a ring-like shape, um, but usually it's in a stick-like shape. And the, uh, the, the um, I'm, I'm doing this as quickly as I can, but... Uh, then the bearded person takes this person, take, takes our young, our young hero to a place where there's a mixture between the boring world and the interesting world. And uh, in this place where there's a mixture of it, um, that you can see people crossing over a threshold, I guess, like moving beyond the two, from the boring world into the interesting world or uh, into the special world that you might call it. Um, and then there's usually a, an, an event takes place where, where our young hero has to, make a leap of faith and cross over from the place where everything was boring and safe to the place where everything is dangerous and interesting. Um, that usually takes place where, in, a, in a way where it's, it's usually in a rush and it's usually with great force. Um, and, and you have to close your eyes and just jump in and next thing you know, you're in this brand new world. Um, and in this brand new world, there's... Um, there's a mixture of all sorts of creatures, but most of most of who are strange and interesting. Um uh, there's shop fronts, especially. It's kind of a market bazaar kind of feel place. Um, and inside this, you start to notice that there are tiny, um, there, there are tiny little versions of the baddie in a way, versions that look a bit like what you imagine the baddie to look like, but they're only sort of weaker, smaller, juvenile versions of it. But there's also, um, um, juvenile versions or, or versions of uh, people of the same age as our young hero um, who have very specific qualities. Um, there's there's nearly always um, a very intelligent, highly skilled girl who you think is going to be the love interest, but turns out it can't possibly be that. Um, she's she's usually much more skilled than our young hero is in 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 pretty much every other department, especially using the special instrument. Um, there's also um, a maverick friend who. Um, who's really scruffy and seems to sort of, you know, just make really bad decisions all the time and yet somehow lands on his feet every single time. This maverick friend um, very usually has an intelligent pet. 
Um, there's all sorts of characters like this. Um, there, there, there are oddball twins who appear sort of maybe for, you know, here and there for about sort of 6% of the story who just come in and lighten the mood a little bit. And then they, they're, they're, they're usually related in some way or, or, or aligned in some way to our hero, et cetera, et cetera. There's a point, um, um, where, where our, t- our young hero needs to learn how to use this special instrument, this stick-like instrument, um, where, um, where what they are, and then he's not very good at it at first. In fact, he's terrible at it. And even even the Maverick friends better at using it than he is. And certainly the intelligent, sexually unavailable woman is. Um, <laughs> um, it's it's quite extraordinary, extraordinary how it all goes. Um, okay, and there's a point where where. Uh, while it, while he's f- struggling with friends and enemies in this particular mm. stage of it, that that he loses faith and he thinks oh, everyone was wrong. I'm not the person who has the same abilities as my missing parents slash dead parents slash whatever parents. Um, and and I think it's up to somebody else to take up the reins and use this instrument better than I can. Um, and so he falls into what they call the belly of the whale, where he thinks this I can't do this anymore. It's mm. impossible. Um, and yet he's um, he's dragged out of that. Oh, by the way, usually around this stage, the mentor has disappeared for a large chunk of the story. This mentor reappears and then hands over that ability and says, no, you remember, I told you, you have this special mm. ability and your, and your parents had this special ability too. At which point our young hero pulls his socks up and decides to enter the fray one last time. Um, and usually uh, in this particular event, it's a very public event um, There's uh, where, where the, the, the small versions of the baddie and the small versions of the goodie who are learning to use their particular skills, they're usually flying and they're usually trying to get a small object into another very, very small target. Um, everyone's watching and, of course, the, the, the goodies and the baddies fight in a great struggle and the, it looks like the baddies are going to win. And of course, that's because they cheat. Um, yeah. but, uh, but the goodies have one thing on behind them, which is they all work together yeah. um, and look out for one another. But they slowly get paired off until eventually there's one goodie and one baddie. And at this point in time, it's all down to our particular young, young hero. And the, usually this is the point where the bearded person appears again. And says, just have faith in yourself. Yeah. If you have faith in yourself, that's the key to using this special <laughs> object, the, the special ability that your parents had that you didn't have, that you don't, that, that you've been born to inherit, etc. Um, at which point, you quite often our hero will close his eyes, give in to that, have faith in himself, and get the small target, small the small object into the very small target. Everyone cheers. <laughs> We always knew he could do it, of course. <laughs> For the first time in his life, he thinks, oh, maybe I am the one who has those abilities. Or maybe my doubts were unfounded. All I had to do was learn all these skills and go through all of this process. And there's a point usually after that where they cross the threshold back into, or, or yeah, they go back to a place where there's a, a threshold going from that ordinary world back from the special world, sorry, back into the interesting world again. Um, and and everyone stands and acknowledges. By this stage, the intelligent pet has been combed. Everyone's had changed their clothes and they get given medals or whatever. And everyone says, we always knew you had it in you. And then he ends up back um, at the end of term or at the end of the particular battle or whatever it is and is um, is a person who now belongs to two worlds, not just the ordinary world, mm. but also the special difficult world. Um, you might call that person, as they say in film theory, a master of two worlds. Mm-hmm. And that's the cycle. 
So those of you who are thinking, of course, I was peppering <laughs> different details in all of that. But those of you who are thinking that it's uh, thinking Harry Potter, it's also Star Wars, mm. um, beat for beat, character for character. Um, and I remember when I watched the when I went and watched um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the film of it. Um, I watched it with my dad, and I was studying story theory at the time. I watched the whole thing and went, it's "Star Wars." And um and um said it to my dad and he went no it's not you know and uh, sorry he's Northern English um and and then I rang up my my lecturer and I said do you have you seen Harry Potter and I went yeah it's Star Wars <laughs> but then I looked I looked in uh, I looked on the internet um, when I was on the internet but I, I looked on it to to see if I could find any reviews that went this is Star Wars um uh, and they didn't start appearing for yeah. about a year, a year yeah. and a half, which tells you something very interesting about the human psyche, which is that um, these things are invisible to us. And, mm. and and the reason why these are two of the most, um, you know, successful uh, uh, on uh, movies of all time that mm. every human on earth is aware of. Mm. I mean, you know, J.K. Rowling's is richer than the Queen. Queen yeah. um, and, um, you know, George Lucas does pretty well himself yeah. too. <laughs> Uh, and also Shakespeare, because this is this is the story of Hamlet and it's the story of the Lion King. So, yes, that was my next question, yeah, yeah. Lion King. Um, and, but the question is why? You know, why? Why? what is this substrate yeah. that sits there? And that's not the only one. There are, there are many others, but this is the core one that dominates film theory. Mm-hmm. Stage, in, in theatre, it's a slightly different mechanism. Mm. Um, but what it does is it, repl- it replicates human, human psychology. Um, on a on a, yeah. on a on its absolute simplest level, um, and that's why that particular story structure, and it's not not the only one; it's mm. one of many. Um, but why that particular story structure is the one that um, that is the most invisible and also the most powerful, um, because on end. On any given level, like for every breath in that I have, I go through a mini hero's journey. Yeah. Um. So right now, I'm in a podcast with yeah. you, and I'm you know, and, and of course I. There's part of me. So I woke up this morning in my ordinary world, and I thought mm. to myself, "Oh well, you know, I'm quite happy here. I feel a little bit like I'd like to be more in, a more interesting, more you know, um, <laughs> successful person." But I'm quite happy in bed too, <laughs> you know. And then Jess, who works here at 16th Street, you know, yeah. um, uh, gave me a ring and said, "Don't forget, you've got your podcast your with Lola." And I was like, "Yeah." And so she's my bearded man. <laughs> Sorry, Jess, but uh, you know, she's my mentor. Yeah. Um, and 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 so then I think to myself, but not me. I'm just just a, mm. uh, you know, I'm just a a, a, a small scale theatre director who lives in Melbourne. What have I got to say for a podcast? You know, and then and that, that's when the mentor, in some symbolic form, says, "No, no, you have an special ability, yeah. <laughs> and all you have to do is have faith in yourself. And what you need to do is actually cross over from that threshold, yeah. from the boring place, from the ordinary place where you're safe, where nothing happens, Hakuna Matata." Mm-hmm. Uh, into the interesting place mm. and so uh I, I step into the the interesting place and now right now I'm actually maybe um in the clock dial I'm probably just before the belly of the whale right now mm. where um I've sat down I've you know uh, there are all of these components that, mm. that, that I talk about are, are, are inside me totally and so if if for example I lose my train of thought I might think Oh no! I shouldn't have agreed to doing this podcast because I actually I'm just I'm just a poor um, farm boy from Tatooine, or I'm just a little you know hobbit who, who should stay at home drinking ale or etc. Um, or I'm just a, a suburban uh, London kid. I'm not really a magical you know wizard etc. And you think that of course because the, it's true you don't you haven't learned all of those skills yeah. and you haven't had you haven't properly t- had 
taken the leap of having faith in myself, right? And so, but I need to not believe it because that's what makes me fight. Totally. And here I am. So probably right now, giving this, talking to you now, what I'm trying to do is to get the small object into the very yeah. small target, Yeah. you know? And if I do it right, then psychologically for me, I'll cross back into the ordinary world after this podcast's end and think, actually, you I know what? This. I'm a podcast guy, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> which is brand new to me. Yeah. But, but And so you can see that that's, that's the way the human mind gets totally. us out of bed doing the things we don't want to do and 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 learning from them and becoming better totally. at them and etc and and that's that's the construct of the hero that mm. exists in in most stories and Joseph Campbell calls that the hero with a thousand faces I love it. yeah uh, do you know, on the flip side of that, I'm having my own hero's dream where I was like, oh, but Ian, uh, like I'm a bit nervous right. to interview him. Uh-huh. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, we got this, we got this. And it's that, it is its own hero's journey. There yeah. is one thing that you said in class and you said that in story theory, it is addressing our ice age concerns. And does that oh, yeah. go back to that like primal kind of like what? Yeah, that's right. So um, there's, a, there's a wonderful animation that... Um, that quite often gets shown to people in story theory. Um, it's called the Heider-Simmel experiment. Oh, you um, showed us this, Yeah, um, uh, which was actually created um, by psychologists to explore, I think, the principles called the attribution of causality, which mm. is they show a bunch of different objects moving around space mm. um, and, and what the human brain does is attribute causality to that, yeah. which is... There's, there's reason and the consequence in, inside this somehow. Um, and... Uh, and of course, if you show it to, to a computer, the computer just sees objects moving around the space. But yeah. a human brain, when it looks at it, There's creates goodies, a story. There's, yeah. and, and every time you show it to somebody, um, that's exactly what happens. Yeah. But but there's a range of experience from the people who look at it, which is the really extraordinary yeah. thing. Some people watch it and say, oh, that's definitely domestic violence. Yeah. Other people will watch it and say, that's bullying. Or other people will say, that's that's a class, you know, that's a, um, uh, that I've, I've had, or, or that's, um, that's, global politics I've had yes. people say yeah. look at it and say yeah. or I've had people look at it and say that's the story of my people you know yeah um, and it's quite extraordinary it's just objects moving yeah, around yeah I was about to say for people listening it's like a line it's, isn't it like a little yeah, triangle it's a, it's a big a little triangle, triangle and, and a circle and a big triangle and a, and a box and that's pretty much it you yeah. know um, and Yes, I mean, if the, when it was created, you can see there is a story structure built yeah. into it. But the fact that everybody sees that and immediately attributes that causality is the mm. really interesting thing. So it, it, it means that the that our brains are geared to yeah, do that, and that's wise. the primary thing that what, the primary that's the way we construct meaning. Yeah, and 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 what always comes out of that is story, mm. you know, which uh, which is the, the extraordinary thing, um, and. So when I'm working with playwrights and actors, I, 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 I find that it's really um, productive to invite them to go into the inherited um, implicit structures in t- that are inside us. Because once you, once you get in contact with those, 80% of the work's done. Yeah. Um, but quite often playwrights and actors um, try to do 100% of the work with their, with, with their alert aesthetic consciousness, yeah. with, their, yeah. with, the, with the brain, with the part of the brain that's able to think about thinking. Um, and anyone who's been on a date, you know, knows oh, I that, love this you know, <laughs> anyone who's been on a date yeah, knows you know that the, the, the brain, that the part of your brain that's good, that, that's self-aware and very good at, at thinking about thinking, yeah. um, which of course is what kicks in when you go on your first date. Your brain, <laughs> part of your brain says, um, don't be you. 
I'll be you because I don't trust that you can be you well enough in this particular circumstance. And so you hand over to your conscious mind. Yeah. Next thing you know, you fall out of the taxi. You don't. You can't even sit on a chair properly. You're sweating. Yeah. You, 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 your breath is all out of out of um, out of regulation, and so you can't even tell if somebody, if the person that you're talking to, has finished speaking or not. Yeah. And so yeah. all of that stuff happens. No, you go. Sorry. No, after yeah. you. After, no, you go. No, yeah, no. So. I'm talking over you, etc. Like you know, you get sweaty palms, yeah. all of those sorts of things, and 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 that's that's like it's it's like the part of your conscious brain trying to do all the things that your your unconscious brain, your implicit Already system, does. is a genius yes. at doing. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the, your your implicit consciousness does the most astonishing things. It, it regulates your body temperature. It you yeah. know it changes yeah. your blood sugar levels. It, like uh, the most aston. It's a, it's amazing what it does. Um, and somehow the executive brain thinks it can do it. And and when it kicks in, and yeah. so. Um, you end up falling all over yourself. Yeah. And this is this I think is the reason why actors don't like working with kids and animals is because you said this, yeah. Yeah. Um is is that it's it's not that they're erratic, it's not that they're uncontrollable, mm. it's not even that they sort of um that they're anarchic even. It's it's that they're much better at being them than than we are. Totally. <laughs> yeah, because they, they haven't got to that stage where they're thinking about thinking. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, so a large part of the work that I do with actors and playwrights is to get them beyond that, you know, so they get back to that genius stage, which mm. all of us have, because all of us are geniuses mm. at being alive. Totally. Yeah. Um, and 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 um, this is not to say that the executive state is is not welcome. It's just that it's not great at everything, and it's certainly not good at uh, helping you breathe and keep your balance. You know, and so actors who who go on stage dominated by their executive state, they, they, they quite often their hands miss their pockets. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. Or they'll step forward and there'll be like a lagging leg. Yeah, or, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or, or yeah. they'll put their arm out and then they won't know how to return it. Yeah. You know, and, and what did you call that? The floating hand or something? Yeah, well, the, the, well, yeah, the returning leg is the one where you walk on stage and then somehow you just have to drag <laughs> your foot to join uh, the other foot. Uh, yeah, or, or the or the unretrievable arm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah totally. These things that happen. Um, and that, that happens also when you're when you're nervous and socially totally. nervous with other people. And that's also, it's exactly the same mechanism, totally. isn't it? It's your executive state trying to take over from the things you're actually really good at without thinking about it. Even in school when we do the action circle, so we all stand in a circle and play actions at one mm, another in class, yeah. the longer I leave it, the more my palms sweat, the more I can feel my knees lock, my yeah. butt tightens. Yeah, and... Yeah, and your and brain's kept like getting that's in the right. way. Your brain gets in the way, and, yeah. and and also, well, and also the brainstem realizes something's up, you know, yeah, and yeah, and 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 so it it gets ready to escape from the lion or from whatever great threat it Final was flight. that we managed to, you know, that we evolved to. It's a very useful thing. All of these things that these responses yeah. that we have, are, of course, me meant that our ancestors passed on the genes. So it's, yeah. it's not like they're bad. It's just that we, we need to work out a way to to be fluid and, and sort of integrated with our behaviour, you know. And so, so uh, psychologists quite, uh, t quite often t talk about it in terms of top-down and bottom-up thinking, you know. Ah, uh, you mentioned so this. Sort yeah. of um, bottom-up is where the body response takes over mm. your consciousness and then um, top down is where is where your aesthetic consciousness takes over the body and you know quite often there's that sort of mythology about people being head actors or body actors you know and um and i think body actors quite often think that you know have, a, have a sort of look down on head actors and vice versa mm. and where in actual fact what you want is is to open the channels for that highway so 
it's so it's, it's so you're like not a conversation. you're neither. That's right. You're, yeah. So the the vagus nerve and the you know which is this astonishing nerve yeah. that spreads all throughout the body. Oh, the polyvagal you know. system. Yeah, is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and embodied consciousness and all of yeah. those things. You know, which um which neurobiology is catching up with. Yeah. But acting theory has been across for a couple of thousand years in a way. It's mm. just that because it's an art form, it's a little bit different. But very regularly, I find this when I um. You know, because you can see that I'm I'm fascinated by by the neuroscience and the psychology of mm. it. Um, my my dad's a geologist, so like uh, I think you know I always have to justify my artistic stuff and <laughs> put it into a language yeah. that, that that he sort of yeah. validates. Um, but but I find very regularly when I when I mention these things to especially to pro actors mm. and to, and to um, you know highly successful playwrights uh, and screenwriters, they just they they kind of nod their head and go, yeah, of course. You know, it's like ah, yeah. that that a lot of this stuff is stuff that artists already know. And that's the wonderful thing I think mm. about dramatic art is that because it's dramatic art is it's it's as old as fire, mm. you know. Uh, well, at least it, it's certainly as old as the human brain. So we can say it's 180,000 years mm. old, definitely. Mm. But you could also argue that it's older than that because um, uh, we evolved the ability to play. Yes. And, and, um, and, you know, you can play with any mammal mostly. Mm. I mean, guinea pigs are a bit hard because it's mostly just fear state that they're in. But um, but the vast majority of mammals, you can have some relationship yeah, totally. with. And that relationship exists through the process of play. And play, I guess, is the first mutation uh, well, one of one of the great mutations that, um, that gave us the ability to experiment with um, unknown futures. Yeah. And and then ah, this that, is the imagination thing yeah, as well. Yeah, that's that I right. Yeah, and so about. you know, um, Yuval Noah Harari, you know, um, who wrote *Sapiens*, talks yes, a lot about yes. this about the, there being an adaptation that, ha- that happened in the brain eighty thousand years ago, where that particular skill, which had been we'd been evolving through play. Um, which, which is, you know what I mean? Play is kind of unconscious in a way. You can do it. You can play with a magpie. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's like it's certainly the best way to get to know an, uh, a dog or, or yeah. a small child. Yeah. It's not to ask them questions about, you know, where, what, where their family are from or what they like. And what, like that, the, it, mm. it's, it's play, right? You mm. pick up a stick and, and it's a snake or whatever. But you can also and you see on YouTube and, people that go swimming in Nick Minute, there's like a beautiful orca whale around. Like, yeah. It's so fascinating. But the imagination thing was um, oh. about, well, I could oh, have been Projecting into, imag- into, into, into impossible futures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so the, the mutation, I guess, that, um, that no, Yuval Harari no, sorry, Yuval Noah Harari uh, talks about in that is is that our highly evolved new neocortex, mm-hmm. the new brain, taps into that uh, to, into that that limbic system yeah. ability to to engage and play, and then what we can do is actually imaginatively construct entire yeah. possible realities, um, which we then step into. And, and and you can see that that's an, that's an astonishing um, evolutionary advantage because right up until oh. then, our, the other hom- hominids that, that we shared the earth with, like Neanderthals mm. and, and Homo erectus and Denisova and all of those different ones, um, that may or may not have had that ability. Mm. All we know is that that they're not here anymore and we, we are. are. Um, that that what we evolved was an ability to to really project ourselves into imaginative futures that haven't happened. Yeah, and and imagine what it's like actually on a behavioral level stepping inside that and doing those those yeah. behaviors. Um, and so it, it's 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 
suddenly it's not costly um, to, to, to think, oh, well, I wonder, I wonder what it would, would be like if we got all of the bison into that particular corner yeah. of, the, of, the, you know, of the forest and then funneled them through and pushed them all over the cliff, you know. Um, and we could actually, you could actually sit around a fire and chuck that idea to another, totally. f- another friend who would say, mm, yeah, who would then also project imaginatively into that future and come up with the problems that might totally. exist in that. And so you do it without dying. Yeah. You just sat around the fire. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, you can see how that mechanism evolves into, um, into performance. Totally. Because performance is basically rendering that ability into the physical world, into rendering, yeah. rendering imaginative constructs into behaviour. And, and that's it, why actioning is so important yeah. because you can control actions. You can just decide yeah. what behaviours you're going to do. Yeah. And then next thing you know, as you do those behaviours, your implicit consciousness follows suit, follows through, and actually you start to get all of the all of the reportage that, that you inherited throughout your body, the biochemical, neurological reportage. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So for people listening with actions, the way we learn it and practice it is like you'll play an action onto another actor. They'll be affected. Yes. And then they will react and that's letting it all land in the body, right? And then having a, a like playing some kind of action back. Yeah. Am what, I kind of that's on the right. right page? Yeah, one of one of the sort of challenges that the novice actors have, I think, is that they th- they think it's all about affect. They yeah. think it's about Themselves. how they feel, yeah. you know, yeah. and, 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 and it's the, it's the, tra- it's the great tragedy of, 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 uh, I, lo- I mean, I, I have a great affection for, for amateur actors, um, but there's a tragedy that they get trapped in, which is they think feeling's it, you know, so they'll come out and they'll do to be or not to be in affect, which is just the experience of the thoughts, yeah. you know. Um, but, but as every good actor acting sort of uh, school, acting training um, system understands um, that no, you know, the, the, what you'll hear in any acting school is no no living thing does or says anything except to get something they can't immediately have, yes. which is behaviour, right? Yeah. Um, organisms don't behave unless there's something in it for them. Yeah. Right? And that means... And to enhance their situation. Yeah, that your behaviour is yeah. is there to change the situation. So, so yes. um, what was it? Francois Nagel, the, the philosopher, said that um, everything we do be- everything we do belongs to a future we're about to create. Mm, right. Totally. Um, yeah. Totally. Um, yes. And, and that, that goes for, for for creatures without aesthetic consciousness as well. But but we have both. So we 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 actually can throw ourselves into imaginative futures and make them actually happen. Yeah. And the way you do that is by behaving. It, otherwise, it just sticks inside your mind, and this, yeah. and and who knows what? Who knows what you're thinking? You're feeling, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's what and that's what Aristotle noticed, you know, when he was watching the great, the successful plays um, during the Festival of Dionysus. He was a botanist, you know, so he was looking at it from a scientific yeah. perspective. Yeah. It, he, um, he's not a critic, and when you look at the way he writes about tragedy, we don't have his writings on comedy, alas, but we do have his writings on tragedy, and you can see it, he's coming at it from a scientific perspective, which is which things work and which things yeah. don't. Yeah. yeah. And what he comes down to is that just like that Harry Potter Star Wars story I told you about, like this is nothing new, um, but um, Aristotle was the one who spotted it, who said that, that plot and action is the meaning in story. Yeah, as opposed to the, the sort of um, the text. Yeah. It's the subtext where it's in the subtext and it's in the behaviour where all of the information exists and, and, um, and, and what... A, what I try to share with the students here at 16th Street is that 
Once you go into that, all of the metabolic responses come back for free. Yes, yeah. you said that last week, this week. Right, this yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there, there are some mantras that I regularly say. One of them is um, good actors affect other people, bad actors merely affect themselves, mm-hmm. which is, I'm not mm. saying that affecting yourself is bad. It's not. It's just that it needs to be a trigger for behaviour. And, totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so all the other things are very welcome, but and and I find that that emotions exist on on both on both ends of the sort of time scale where they quite often act as the trigger for behavior mm-hmm. and they quite often act as the consequence of behavior. Yeah. But behavior is the thing you can get in the middle of and drive and control yes. with your will. So cool. Yeah. I there was some I've made notes through all my classes with you and I'm like uh-huh. podcast I've said things podcast. Um, every good actor has access to something that's deep inside every human. And I'm, I'm, mm. I'm, I think it's still coming to that behavioural thing, but also does it come back to the, the kids and the dogs that are kind of like in this very real state where we kind of get a bit caught up in our psychology? Yeah, like, yeah. We, uh, you we, know, it's like tapping into something very innate, it feels like. I don't that's, know yeah, right some, that's question. right. It's it's tapping into something ancient. Um, yeah. And and. We, we we do that exercise where um, I ask actors to to action a script and then to actually just separate from the script actually just write what they think that a line would be that would do that action the best you know so it might be to dazzle to astonish to to sober um, which you've got say from from a chunk of Shakespeare's text and then I'll, I'll ask the actors to to just. Say the thing that would dazzle the most, and who know what who's no, who knows what that is? But it yeah. might be, you know, um, I am the son of God, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. You know. yeah. And then um, to yeah. sober might be, you know, but we really need to pay attention. Yeah. And so then you'd actually get up in front of everyone and say, "I am the son of God," but you really need to pay attention <laughs> and perform all of these actions yeah. without the text. So what mm. you're actually doing is just the raw a version of the raw subtext. Yeah. And um, and my feeling is that when you do that version. Um, it's the sort of thing that a dog or a or a smart twelve year old would can totally well, yeah, can yeah understand yeah totally and, and if you yeah um, so the you have both versions running simultaneously, um, which is that you you want you want a seven year old to watch your show and get it, and you also want a university professor to watch your show and get it, mm. and for them to get it for the same reasons, just at different levels of uh, of uh, resolution. Yeah, I guess you know, yeah. and so of course. And it's like it's like that's what it's like with your relationship with a dog in the family. You know, you have you you have a, a, a true family relationship, and a dog is part of your family. But your relationship with your dog is a little lower res than it is with your ten year old daughter, totally. or it is with your thirty um, five year old partner, mm. or with your mother who's known you forever. You know, mm. like um, yeah, like you, if you want to tell a lie to your mum, you've got to have your acting game on, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she's got a high res version yes. of you. Yeah. But at the same time, she's your mum and all of those ancient mechanisms are still at play. And yeah. so it's about keeping keeping the, them harmonic with one another totally. and rather than creating unsympathetic muscle relationships between elements of your consciousness, I guess. Do you know we've already been going for 50 minutes? Oh, really? I love oh. that. But so, but I'm like, oh, my God, there's so many more things I want to ask. So I have to, I can't yeah. end the podcast mm-hmm. without asking you, assistant directed to the wonderful Kate Blanchett, correct? Yes, yeah. In a nutshell, can you share what that was like? Was it scary? Um, well, interestingly, it's it was the only 
it was the second time Kate had actually directed a play. Um, and so, I, uh, she, of course, she's yeah. a genius actor. So this um, was Sydney Theatre Company? Yeah, so, and, yeah, and it was when Andrew and Kate had taken over Sydney Theatre mm. Company. And so this was um, sort of, so Kate was in a, you know, in the unenviable position of debuting as a director, um, also as a globally famous, you yeah, know. Yeah, pressure's um, on. Yeah, person. And, um, and so... <laughs> Uh, I, I was invited to to assistant direct on that, um, uh, but really just uh, so it was a slightly unusual situation in the sense that that Kate was was new to that particular art form mm. and and I was still learning that particular art form. But we but we worked on um, um, Blackbird, um, which you know oh. is one of the most astonishingly well written plays um, of the of the past fifty years. Mm. Um, and so in in lots of ways, I would say that the, the the dramaturgy of that play was the thing that taught us both. Um, but it was amazing watching her. Um, and I mean, it's, I mean, it's astonishing being in the room with somebody at, with that, that level of ability because the vast majority of her of her interpretive work that she would do is it just you know you would sit and watch her. She she would experience the text in the present moment on a on a metabolic level yeah and then you could see her interpret that and then talk to the actors that, you know sort of with <laughs> language about what it was and and for the, you know, the poor actors yeah. to go okay yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna find my way in you know so so it was um it was a it was a real experience of watching of watching you know one of the best actors ever Mm. I guess um, uh, tap into tap into one of the one of the greatest pieces of writing of the past fifty years, um, but it was uh, in, in, to say what I, what I would bring away with from it. I think was just I wish I was born with that astonishing <laughs> gift. <laughs> Was it scary at all being in the presence of someone that was of like she's no, high status? Yeah, I mean, look, my experience of being in the, in, in the company of genius, and that's all. all I yeah, can, you know, yeah, uh, is um, is that there? There's a terrific generosity from those people, you know, um, uh, and that, that's 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 been my experience across the board. I think you know, Max Stafford Clark was yeah. that experience too, where you bring so much of your own terror to those things, don't yeah, you? And, you, totally. and your neurosis and all those things and. <laughs> And and of course you, because they you've you've only seen the successful version yeah. of them too. You you, you know you assemble a a, a, a version of them yeah. that, that is completely distorted. Totally. You know? And um and so you spend your your whole life your whole time with them going oh you're just a person yeah but also with astonishing gift you know yeah yeah, yeah. but um yeah it was an it was a it was an amazing um uh, honor and um and a a strange place to be it was interesting being an assistant director because assistant directors sit there you know and we, yeah. we write our little notes and watch yeah. things and all that sort of thing and then I'd, I'd sit and give and and humbly proffer the, you know my perspective on things and in a, in a way it was useful for her I hope that because my I come from a dramaturgy background yeah. um, and a story background and so so I was offering I guess my perspective on the play from from that you know level yeah. you know or maybe talking about interesting semantic constructs or whatever you know yeah. um um but it was interesting that it, with somebody with that, that that incredible skill that she has you knew if she disagreed with a note uh she She'd just be reading, you know. She'd say, "Thank, yeah. terrifically gracious, wonderful person." Yeah. You'd hand her the notes, terrified, and she'd go through them and nod and all that sort of thing. But you knew if she'd disagree with the note because you'd be in the room thinking, "Why? Why do I want to die?" Yeah, I don't know. 
oh, <laughs> and, and then there. it would then it would move. It would it would switch, yeah. you know, in an instant. You know, something that Aristotle talked about with actors, where he said that there's a point when the when the emotions are high, when they're so yeah. so available and so big, and that's that's I guess the, to yeah. that, that's the experience of being of being in the company of somebody who is emotionally gymnastic, who who has just an incredible ability to attach um, her her. In her imaginative and her intellectual inspiration to the ancient forces totally. inside her. There's a reason why she gets cast as something like Galadriel, you know. That's, that's exactly that mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so the, that's the, the experience of, of being in the room with her is that, is that um, you can feel Power. her change the electrons yeah. in the room somehow, you know. And um, I... I'd love to say I'd be I know how to teach that but I don't. <laughs> you know no, there, there are some things it. which are just beyond wow. and and that's the experience of seeing her work I think. Well, not to switch channels too quickly but I get one more question with you cuz it's nearly it's uh-huh. like go time but um back to story theory. Thank you for sharing by the way. I was oh, like I've got to ask pleasure. that. I've yeah. got to ask all these questions but the the interesting thing about story theory, and I didn't realise it until I experienced it with you, was uh-huh. when we played Predator and Prey, which is basically where you're either prey or predator. Yeah, you're either the, you're either the one who's being got or the one who's doing the getting. Right. And, and that humans are, in, are interesting creatures because we evolved with both um, networks in us. We 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 started out as yeah. terrified little furry rodents, you know, and, and hiding in shrews, hiding in the yeah. in the thing. But we that we we became predators. Yeah. So it means that we are both. Totally. Yeah. And and the I remember you said to us, if you get killed, feel it and then go and watch. Yes. And we I remember sitting, I was out early both times, <laughs> and I remember sitting going, Why am I so intrigued by this? And you then said, This is like watching Survivor. Right. Yeah. Why these Survivor type mm. shows are so successful. Is it because it is tapping into that? Like kill or be killed, primal. That's, that's right. The, and and it's it's so built into us that it's not conscious at all. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and in what 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 being interested in what, you know the drive that makes you go and watch Harry Potter um, the the play or makes you go and watch a David Williamson whatever you know is is exactly the same drive to stay alive. Yeah. So it's a, it's the survival mechanism yeah. and and plays and dreams are rehearsals for catastrophe in lots of ways. Totally. You know? Yes. And and so of course we're drawn to that because. We we evolved to be interested in other organisms who have learned how to do the terrible, difficult thing and come out the other end, yeah. and come out the other end with with some some extra thing, you know. And so, um, in film theory, they call it the elixir, you yeah. know, or the treasure, you know, the yeah. the thing that you bring back from your horrible experiences. Yeah. And 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 that's and that's what story is. Story is actually the the mechanism of life itself rendered into conscious behavior, you know. Oh which and all you've got to do is is have a look at the um have a look at the 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 top 20 books when you go to the airport mm. at the book stand there mm. because the top 20 books are all ice age concerns yeah. like um which is you know how do i romance which is how do i have a, how do i keep, appropriate yeah. and and you know maintain a relationship with a mate um uh, true crime, yeah. which is all about how do we regulate our society and how do we deal with the negative elements in it? Yeah, you know, um, uh, war. Yeah, obviously, um, yeah. Uh, and fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> which is how do I engage with yeah. all of these? Um, you know, fantasy is it's that's another hour's worth of conversation. But yeah. you know, it is interesting, of course, that 
that um, every culture has a dragon myth. Yes. Um, and, and the dragon usually yes. protects a treasure that's inside a, um, inside a mountain. Yeah. And, and quite often that dragon is obsessed with virgins, virgin yeah. humans. Why? What are they? You know, et cetera. But I'll, yeah. <laughs> you know, that every culture has a flood myth. Every cul- and, yeah. and, and, of course, there's lots of theories about all of that from the literal mm-hmm. um, right through to the Jungian sort of, you know, which is that we, we, it's our consciousness dealing with those primary urges and turning them yeah. into um, story constructs that we can apprehend and deal with and, and engage with, you know, and, 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 and what drama, dramatic art is, um, b- both stage and screen, is, is the embodiment, the literal embodiment of all of those mechanisms that are happening inside us. And so if we tap into that, of course we're going to be interested in it because we evolved to be interested in things that pertain to our survival. Oh, so yeah. so, so if people want to know more about the story through, is that Joseph Campbell? Joseph Campbell is, 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 is a really great place to start. I mean, um, when you said you studied it, I was like, where can I study? Like it, it's so fascinating because I remember when you were doing story theory in class, I was sitting next to a mate and I, said, and I tapped him. I said, buckle in. Like you're about to. And he looked at me and he said, did you know that was about to happen? And I was like, mate, it's the best thing. <laughs> and everyone was talking about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And and then we were all going, well, Lord of the Rings is that too. And, you know, yeah. like it, 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 it's I think everyone can relate to story theory and, and because mm. we all consume story, you know. That's like, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. It's just so fascinating. Thank you for sharing so much of your oh, it's my wonderful mind. Can I, can I just mention yeah, one thing, which yeah. is because um, a lot of that stuff that yeah. I've been talking about very quickly no, um, no, you're is, fine. is you're based fine. Um, is based on the way film works. Yeah, um, and and there are other mechanisms as well. This is just one of of, of many. Yeah. Um, uh, but but stage works a little bit differently, and 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 so I've, I've narrowed that one down into five points, yeah. um, which which you can which also works perfectly for actors as well. And if, do you mind if I yeah, mention no, them? no, no, you've got time because if 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 a, if a story has these five components in it, and for a playwright to know this, and or a screenwriter, and for an actor to know this, um, mm. then then if you if you can identify this, then you're in story, which is are these components, yeah. which is the map of of biological existence, as far as I can tell. A character exists in an environment. They do. They um, something is making them uncomfortable. Yeah. They do something to alleviate that discomfort. Mm-hmm. They either and they do many things to mm. try to alleviate the discomfort. They either succeed or fail or both. But as a result, they're changed in some way. Yeah. If a, if your story has those components, it is dramatic and it is interesting on that simple base because we evolved to be interested in things wow. that have that. And a little sort of um, tiny little taste of that to finish off with. Mm. Um, um, there are certain story constructs that only have the f- four, four of those points, yeah. character exists in environment, something's making them uncomfortable, they do something to alleviate that, they, that they either succeed or fail or both. Objective and obstacles. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see how that fits with Stanislavski's yeah. thinking and with the, the, what the group theatre did in the States with all of that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Good. Because Stanislavski, just like Shakespeare said, what we need to do is hold a mirror up to nature. Nature, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, there are some story structures that don't have that. So um, sitcoms and uh, and cartoons quite often yeah. don't have the fifth element, which is, but as a result, they're changed in some way. Ah. And uh, soapies are like that. Yeah. And, and something in us, something on a deep sort of DNA level, mm. 
knows that. And so and so we sort of don't value those stories yeah. as strongly. The ones that don't have, as a result, they're yeah. changed in some way. Because in a soapy, you can't, you know, because somebody's got to open the shop again in the next yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and you need to have those stable characters to hold the whole thing together. And so an actor who's in a soapy will, go, will say things like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, oh, it's great. Yeah. You know, hopefully I'll put a deposit on the house or whatever. Yeah. They don't go, yeah, I'm playing Jason. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the way yeah, that they would yeah, about totally. about a character that has deep mythic structure in it, which is also like what you just touched on with those five points. That's kind of the hero's journey. Like you're in a yeah, situation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a little less limiting. And, yeah, gotcha. Um, and, yeah. and 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 it's it's a little more social. And that's yeah. the difference between film and theatre. If you go in, if you go and watch a film and the cinema's empty. Part of you goes, oh, good. Yes, I know. My film, my yeah. film. And that's because you experience film privately, even if you're there on a date, yeah. you know. And and film, pr- like, steals a whole bunch of things from theatre. You know, there's a foyer, there's a red yeah. carpet, there's a lot. But fundamentally, it's a private experience. And anyone, like, if you know anyone who's really into, like, a Game of Thrones yeah. or or somebody who's really into Dog Day Afternoon, it's yeah. like it's theirs, it's yeah. theirs, you know. And that and that's because they experience the that wheel that I talked yeah. about, that psychological journey privately with the film connected to yeah. it um but if you go if you go into a theater or a ballet or an opera or yeah. any of those ones and the and the auditorium is empty some part of you sinks yeah and um, um, and that's because um you you know inherently in those art forms that what you actually need to do is engage in um in a a collective consciousness yeah. or a neural network, you know, like um, uh, and 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 sort of networked consciousness, which is the next thing we're looking in. We're we're going we're hurtling towards uh, in the wonderful world of digital theater and and opera and ballet have been doing for two thousand years now, um, and dance, you know, like that that yeah. the 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 clues to how we navigate collective consciousness while also allowing individual individuality. Are, are there already in our culture and it's and 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 you know i i i recommend you know i i i would be very excited if if the sort of the leaders in in technology start start looking coming to knocking on our door you know mm. knocking on dramaturgs doors and actors doors and and, and dram- dramatic writers doors because we we already have some existing net um, ways of dealing with that particular yeah. new world totally you know, that we're faced with and one thing that as i was as you were talking about when you go to the movies and you feel i remember you said in class strangely satisfied it does tap into <clears throat> this like all these story theory stuff you're talking about, yeah. And I know I'm going back to film here, but it is this. It evokes something within you. you yeah, can, you can totally, no matter what the mood, like generally, yeah, something, generally speaking, something pre-conscious. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something. Something. You can feel it in the back of your spine somehow. Yeah. yeah. And then, like you were saying though, with theatre and anything that involves an audience, there's a sense of a community, and we're mm. all in this together. It feels well. That's different. it because because. Yeah. Um, the other great um, evolutionary advantage that we developed is that we're the most social creatures yeah. on earth. We have the most complex. Well, yeah, yeah. That well, that that was up until um, the the mutation. So humans evolved to being around they they think you know between about 150 and 350 people mm. which is incidentally the perfect size for a theater um because your consciousness can can integrate together all that sort of thing and people who are on facebook still have probably 150 to 400 meaningful friends yeah. and all the rest don't really exist in their yeah. consciousness at all that's the tribe right that's the size mm. and then um well 
once we um once we had the mutation that kicked in which was our ability to create fictions like human rights like um nationhood like money mm. like law um all of those and that's what harari talks about so much once we are able to create those fictions we could actually live in much larger societies uh. because um we, we the fictions hold us together yeah. and and so uh, once again our ability to to imagine impossible things like money like human rights um uh, which we think of as being so solid and real, mm. but they're actually just fictions, mm. um, are exactly the things that make us able to hold civilization together wow. and not go to war, war yeah. as much as we might, right? Um, chimpanzees can't do that. They, they, they go to groups of 50 and then after that they split up into groups that go into war, you know, et cetera. But humans, yeah. So, so our, our, ability, our, our ability to create fictions and, and modify our behaviour mm. to integrate those fictions into our existence and our reality is the number one evolutionary advantage that we have. Um, and so um, that's why drama is, for me, the number one mechanism because we're engaging in something that we've been doing since before we were humans, mm. play, um, and just doing it on more and more sophisticated levels. Yeah. And what what we know about drama is that it it helps us engage with the horrific unknown and start to create um, pathways through it so we can um, proliferate and 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 you know and and not yeah not just survive but actually thrive, thrive. as a species yeah. and and drama's always there just gently behind all of the fear and all the terror mm. jumping into um, prospective futures and then rendering it into possible behaviors that might save us. You know, that's why we love yeah. Oedipus. That's why we love Hamlet. That's yeah. why we, you know, the, et cetera. Because all of those heroes are people who have gone the, through the, the mystery, the horrible mystery, and mm. come out somehow changed in some way, point five of the story <sighs> system. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'll do this all day. Oh, Thank yes, you please. so much. <laughs> it's been such a treat to have you on this podcast. And for people listening that are in Melbourne, they can see you do some amazing directing at the Melbourne Theatre Company. Soon, yeah. So I have the good fortune of working with Joanna Murray Smith, who's arguably one of the best writers we've got in the country. Um, so, you know, I've got to pull my socks up. <laughs> um, but I'm terrifically Hero excited. Journey. Yeah. And brand new play. Um, Berlin. Yeah. 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 Berlin. Um, uh, Two young people, uh, you know, under thirty, both of them, and it's a five hundred seat theater, I think. So, uh, and 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 as with Joanna's, all of Joanna's work, she she's a perfect example of what I was talking about in the sense that she finds the knottiest, trickiest mm. subjects, things that we're scared to deal with, mm. and and forces them forces people in a in a room together to nut it all out. And in this particular on this particular occasion, she's got two young people who've gone and fallen in love and there is something in the way, something huge uh, in the way, okay. something to do with Berlin. But if you want to know more, come and see it. But, thank um, you. I'm very excited to get started with Joe on that. And thank yeah. you so much. You are wonderful. Oh, you really you. are. It's a real honour and a pleasure. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Big love. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lola Berry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Spread the love.